0: Our Bibles. Let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter number 3. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 in your Bibles this evening. I want us to think a little bit about deacons, a fitting uh, part of our family talent night uh, in the COVID year. And uh, we thank God for everyone who uses their talents and their abilities to be able to serve God and, uh, and see God's church move forward in fulfilling the Great Commission. And uh, a vital part of that work is a team of church officers ser- serving as a team united together. And that has great value in the life and ministry of a church. And I want to chat with you just for a few moments about that before we introduce the deacons and have a time of dedication prayer for them. You know, the church is not a venue where people just, you know, buy tickets to come and watch a performance. It really is a family. Where people get together shoulder to shoulder and do the work of world evangelism. It, it's not something we attend to to observe. It's something we get involved in to be able to make a difference in the world in which Jesus Christ gave us. A church family is a, a church. Is a family where everyone takes part. It's a it's a body uh, composed of different gifted body members. Working together, uh, the church has a mission to accomplish, and that mission is primary. The mission is the mission of world evangelism. And wasn't that international choir interesting this evening, or ensemble, or whatever, uh, from a variety of uh, parts of the world? Thank you, each of you ladies who participated in that, as well as all the others who participated as well. But uh, the mission of the church is a mission that is serious, a mission of accomplishing the work of world evangelism. And that mission is conducted by the membership of the church. Uh, The most important people in the church are not the officers, they're the members. Because the church is a body of people. People that are working together in a concentrated effort to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. People that are involved on gospel blitz and working the grow ministry involved in the children's ministry, youth ministry, children in nursery ministries, teaching classes, helping to be able to get the gospel out and people uh, develop and uh, and learn the Word of God in their lives. And, and, and as important as that is, and that is of, of great importance, the greatest uh, importance is the membership of the church all fulfilling the Great Commission. That's the church in action. But for the church to do what God wants it to do, God ordained two offices in the church. Each church has two offices. The first office that God ordained in the church was the office of pastors. And those are sometimes called bishops in the New Testament. Sometimes they're called elders in the New Testament. They seem to almost always, if not always, be plural, a plurality of pastors, a plurality of bishops, a plurality of elders. And that plurality is a team, a pastoral team. And their focus is people. Their focus is being able to lead the church, to have a people ministry in fulfilling the Great Commission helping the church to be able to fulfill the work that God has given us to do. So pastors focus on leading and ministering to people and mobilizing the church to do that. But there's another office, and the other office that God ordained is the office of deacon. And that's also plural in the New Testament. And deacons were set apart as men who would pay particular attention to practical needs that existed in order to keep the church functioning in a wise manner and free the pastors to be able to focus on the business of ministering to people. And so God ordained deacons, and deacons focus on a variety of practical things in the life of a church. Deacons are not second class in any way, shape, or form. When deacons were introduced to us in the book of Acts chapter 6, uh, the Leaders, the pastors of the church, told the church family to look out amongst yourself. Find seven men that are full of the Holy Ghost. Men that are full of wisdom. Quality men. Men that will have the wisdom and the discernment and the spirituality to deal with practical things in the life of a church that need to be taken care of. And a church is blessed when a church has a plurality of men who focus on a variety of practical needs and and help see those things taken care of in a proper way. And when God sent a letter to pastors about instructing the church on how to behave themselves in church, He included instructions with regards to deacons. Did you know there was a letter written to pastors to be able to make sure they teach the church how to behave when they're at church? Well, you're at that place in the Bible in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 in your Bibles. And this is an amazing uh, book of the Bible. It's one of what we call the pastoral epistles. They're the letters that God sent to Timothy and Titus who were instrumental in organizing and mobilizing the churches that had been established on the missionary journeys, mainly by the Apostle Paul. And in this Uh, 1 Timothy, when you come down to the end of chapter number 3, Paul said, I want to come to see you in verse number 14, but I'm writing this to you, hoping to come to thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And in this important letter... He included some specific instructions regarding pastors and deacons. Now, we have the privilege of having uh, here with us tonight Pastor Ed Simpson, Jonathan's dad. Pastor Ed Simpson started and is pastor at Harvester Baptist Church up in Maryland uh, for many, many years. And uh, he and his wife, Christina, are here with us tonight. And uh, he's going to come and read to us uh, First Timothy chapter number 3, this great chapter focusing on the office of bishops or pastors and the office of deacons. And so it's a privilege to have uh, Brother Ed Simpson. uh, And I are of the same, close to the same age, of the same uh, generation, perhaps. He and I grew up in the same church, uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church in Fairfax, Virginia. And he was a little older than me, so he he got a head start on me in ministry. But it's good to have him here with us tonight. Come, read to us 1 Timothy chapter 3. Thank you, Ed.
1: Has different regulations. I don't want to get arrested when I go back to Maryland, so we're sitting back in the back room, okay? I'm not just a separatist Baptist. And <laughs> I can really speak from experience about deacons. Over 44 years of pastoring there at Harvester and then being an associate pastor before that, I've watched some very good men service. A deacon, a deacon, a servant. My idea about a deacon, they are a servant to the church. But I think, first off, they are a servant to the Lord, but then a servant to the pastor. And we've had tremendous men to be able to serve their pastor. What a blessing. I want to read out of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a true saying, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house... How shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave. Not double tongue, not given to much wine, not greedy, of filthy lucre. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. But let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Thank you, Pastor.
0: Great responsibility it is to serve in the work of God. And, uh, and I'm going to turn our attention to the subject for just a few moments of unity amongst the team of pastors and deacons. Unity is such an important subject. I, over the years, I have taught and spoke on the subject of unity so many times. I want you to turn in your Bibles over to Psalm 133, uh, this short little psalm that addresses the subject of unity. And I want to, to use three phrases just to put in our minds the, the subject of unity. And I'm thinking of the unity that needs to exist amongst the team of leaders in a church family. And the first phrase I want to mention is the value of a united team. And I see that spoken of here in Psalm 133. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I see that the thing of unity is good and it's pleasant. And he goes on to say it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard. that went down to the skirts of his garments. That anointing oil, that fragrant oil that was poured over the head of Aaron and flowed down to the ground. Unity is fragrant. It has a scent to it. You can de, you can breathe deeply and you can catch the scent when there's unity amongst a team of leaders. He went on to say it's like the dew, verse number three, the dew of Hermon, that's Mount Hermon, up above the Sea of Galilee, a very high place, uh, snow-capped mountain for a, a good portion of the year. And as the, the dew would descend down from, from, uh, from Hermon to the Mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Unity is refreshing. It's like the refreshing feel of that that dew that would come down off from the mountain. I learned that unity is good and it's pleasant. I learned that unity is fragrant and refreshing. But the thing that impresses me most about these simple three verses is that unity flows down from the leadership to the entire church family. Like the fragrant oil that would be poured on the top of Aaron's head that would drain down onto his garments and would drain all the way down to the ground. It's like the dew of Hermon that would fall down off from Mount Hermon and would come down the the hillsides of Hermon into Galilee and then into the Jordan River Valley and goes south throughout the whole land of Israel. Unity begins at the top and flows down. Blessed is the church that has a team of officers, pastors and deacons who are united together as a team of men fulfilling the functions of the pastoral office and the functions of the deacon office in serving the church of God. And when that team is united, when that team is loyal to Christ, loyal to Christ church and loyal to one another as leaders working as a united team, that is good. It's pleasant. It's fragrant and it's refreshing to a church family. And it flows from a united team of leaders throughout every ministry and every part of the church family. I've studied the theme of unity throughout the New Testament in particular, and I've learned that from Ephesians chapter 4, that unity is a priority that needs to be sought by a church family. Why do I say that? Because Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 is all about the doctrine of salvation, how we get saved. And then he turns at the beginning of chapter 4, because you're saved, and then he introduces the theme of unity. And then later on in chapter 4, he introduces the theme of purity. God's two top desires for the life and function of His church is that every church might enjoy unity and purity in its family. A united church who, is living, who are living pure lives are far more apt to fulfill the Great Commission in their lifetime than a church that is divided, fussing, gossiping, and complaining, and living worldly lives. That kind of a church doesn't get much work done for Jesus Christ. And so I've learned that unity was the very first thing God mentioned in the book of Ephesians after laying the foundation of how God saves a sinner, He then wants that sinner in a body of believers, a family who enjoy unity together. That unity starts with a team of leaders. I've also learned in studying the Word of God that unity is not only a priority to be sought, it's a doctrine to be studied. The entire book of Philippians is all about unity in the church. My, what a doctrinal study the book of Philippians is as the Bible lays out the life of the church at Philippi and what unity was and why they needed it and how they acquired it and what could rob them of it and what they needed to do to be a people that were united together. Unity is a doctrine that needs to be studied. And then I also learned from 1 Corinthians, a church that... If any church in the New Testament that didn't have unity, it was the church at Corinth. They were a messed up church. And when God sent them a letter, after His salutation in the first about nine verses of chapter 1, He immediately exhorted them, I beseech you that you speak the same thing and be of one mind. He challenged that divided church. And He said to them, You need to make unity in your church a goal that you reach for there in Corinth. So when I study the New Testament, the epistles, the letters written to churches, and the letters written about how churches function, I have learned over the years that unity in a church family is a priority that must be sought actively. It's a doctrine that must be studied clearly. And it's a goal that must be reached for. By every member in the church. Why? Because a church can't be strong if it's not united. And where does unity come from? Well, it comes from the Holy Spirit. First, Ephesians four tells us, "Keep the unity of the Spirit." The word "of" is the preposition of origin. The unity that originates with the Spirit of God. Only the Holy Spirit can produce unity in the church family. How does he do that? Philippians explains how he does that. And it begins with a team of leaders, pastors and deacons, united together in love with Jesus Christ, in love with Jesus' church, loyal to Jesus, loyal to Jesus' church, and loyal to one another as a team of men working together for the sake of Jesus Christ through their church. A united team of officers has value to a church family. Let me throw out a second phrase. A united team is pictured on the wall behind me. The picture of a united team. One of the pictures we see of a united team is in Exodus chapter 17. Israel had just come out of Egypt. They didn't fight their way out. They came out because God opened a door and brought them out on the basis of what He did and then brought them out as a result of the blood of a Passover lamb applied to their homes. Now they didn't fight their way out. They left Egypt by the mighty power of God. But you know, as soon as they got out of Egypt, they had to start fighting. Once once they got saved, once they were saved from the slavery of Egypt through the shed blood of the Passover lamb applied to the littles and doorposts of their home, then they had to begin to face their enemies and fight. Welcome to the Amalekites in Rephidim. And they had to fight their way. To be able to overcome their enemies. Once we get saved. We didn't have to fight to get saved. But once we got saved by the grace of God. We then had to face enemies that we have to, to fight. And what a picture we see of unity. Because we see the nation of Israel. The men of war in the valley. Engaged in conflict with the enemies of their people. And God granting them victory. But yet. Not without price, not without teamwork. Because up on the mountain was, was, were three men. Moses, Aaron, and her. And it took those three men working as a united team, working together, and God supplying the power and energy as a result of their united teamwork To enable Israel to fight and win the battle that day. I learned from that picture that winning requires everyone. Moses couldn't do it by himself. Aaron and Hur couldn't do it by themselves. Moses, Aaron, and Hur couldn't do it by themselves. It took the people down in the valley engaged in battle as well. But even with the leaders united together as a team on the mountain, and the people in the valley engaging the enemy... They still couldn't win without God's power working through their united efforts to give them the victory. So we have a picture of teamwork. Winning requires everyone, the soldiers, the leaders, and the holders up of of His hands. The winning required work, tired, persistent effort in the battle. And winning required God giving the victory that only God could give. Winning required all of that. And so we have a picture of a united team with a group of people doing the work that needed to be done. But God supplying the energy and the power, the miracle, the spark, to be able to make it effective and influential. We have the picture of unity. And then one last phrase, and that is the ordination of a united team. We have the value of a united team. We have the picture of a united team. And then we have what is called the ordination of a united team. What is ordination? Ordination is an official assignment, a solemn appointment to people, to a work that they're going to be doing. When we read throughout the New Testament, we run into this thing of ordination. We read in Acts and in Titus that pastors were ordained. We saw that on Paul's first missionary journey, they ordained pastors, bishops in each of the churches that had been established on the first missionary journey. We read in Titus that Paul left Titus on the island of Crete for the purpose of organizing the churches that had been planted and to make sure that bishops were ordained to those ministries. We read in the pastoral epistles in both 1st and 2nd Timothy that Paul specifically addressed the laying on of hands on Timothy when Timothy was just entering into the ministry and he was officially set apart, ordained to the work to which God had called him. And then we read in the book of Acts of the deacons also being ordained as the pastors of the church instructed the church family to set apart Seven men, godly men, wise men, Holy Spirit-filled men, they said, you bring them to us and we will appoint them. And it's the same word in the original language. It was used of the ordaining or appointing of bishops or elders in the cities on the island of Crete. Yes, the deacons were ordained to the work to which God had called them. They were officially set apart. They were officially appointed. With the laying on of hands, we see in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 and 6. And with the laying on of hands, they prayed and dedicated those seven men to the work there in the church in Jerusalem. You see, laying on of hands is a picture. It's a picture of teamwork. It's a picture of unity. It's a visual representation that there's an identification that these individuals are joined together in. They don't stand as individuals. They don't serve as individuals. They serve as members of a team. And the laying on of hands was simply a, a visible uh, portrayal of the unity that formed that team of individuals to serve as pastors and as deacons in a church family. So we have the, the ordination of the officers in the church. Blessed is the church that has a united team. Of Pastors and deacons pictured in various parts of the Bible as the teamwork of people working together to do the work of God and that is officially set up through the ordination, the appointment and laying on of hands. And so this evening we have four men that are going to join our sole deacon, John Colantoni giving us five deacons here at Community Baptist Church. I want to introduce you to each of the men, and I'm going to start with John Tony. Where is John Colin Tony? See, hiding back there, lurking back there, making sure everyone's safe? Come on up here, John. John Tony. John and Denise were first-time attenders here at Community Baptist Church in September of 1998. It was back a long time, does not it? You were just a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I had hair. You had hair. John and Denise joined Community Baptist Church in March of 1999, just a few months later. And John has been ordained to the work of deacon and has served as a deacon here at Community Baptist since April of 2004. Been around a while. It's been a good trip. I thank God for you. You've been a blessing to work with. I'm grateful to God. For that day, he brought your family to Community Baptist back in 1998. Suresh Velavelli, Where is Suresh? Come on up here, Suresh. Suresh and Suresh and Sharin Velavelli first visited Community Baptist Church in August of 2010. And they joined Community Baptist Church in April of 2011. So you've been here for... Uh, Nine, pushing ten years. What a blessing to have Sharesh and Shirin, their family here with us. James Grant. Come on up, James. James and Diane Grant were first-time attenders at Community Baptist Church in September of 2012. Just about a year after the Vella Valley family. And uh, they... uh, They looked the church over for a few months and finally became convinced that they would hang their hat here and joined Community Baptist Church in November of 2012. And then Jonathan Simpson. Come on, Jonathan. Jonathan and Ann Simpson and their family were first time attenders at CBC in March of 2013. March of 2013. And they joined Community Baptist Church the next month, in April of 2013, and Jonathan has served here, uh, he was on part-time staff for a while, and uh, has their family's been a tremendous blessing, been here for uh, about seven plus years. Now, I think these, things, these names, no, they're not really an alphabet, I don't know why these names appear in the order they do, they're not in any particular order. Uh, last but not least is Jeff Vickers. So Jeff, come on. I guess I left, left you last because I know how, love, how much you love the limelight and to be up in front of people. So I minimized the pain. <laughs> Jeff and Ashley were first-time attenders at Community Baptist Church in 2007, way back in 2007. And it took them six years to decide whether they wanted to hang around here. They officially joined Community Baptist in May of 2013. Uh, They uh, took, Jeff is a real thinker, and it took him a long time to figure out if he was going to hitch his wagon to this star. But I'm glad he did. Actually, they were members of Fairfax Baptist Temple, and they came here on Wednesday nights because they couldn't get to FBT on Wednesday nights. They were at FBT on Sundays here on Wednesday nights. That lasted for a number of years, and then they became members here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, so, of these, the, the first I introduced you to, John, and the last, Jeff, uh, date back to the warehouse days. Uh, these are guys that uh, that have hung around since uh, back in the warehouse, and uh, have all the stories of life at CBC in the warehouse days, And um, and then, of course... Suresh and James and Jonathan uh, came to Community Baptist Church after moving into this facility, but they've survived the 11-year building program on the inside of the building. And that uh, says something for sure. Each of these men, John back in 2004, the other four men tonight, each of these men is being entrusted by the church family to provide leadership in a specific area of the life of the church. Areas that are not specifically related to pastoring people or the work of the Great Commission directly, but each of them supervising and leading in an area of church life of practical needs that that need to be done. Very important things that they work with other people in accomplishing. And uh, in order for the church to... Work smoothly. These men, vital and important part of a united team. And then finally, there's Ryan Comas. Come on up, Ryan. Ryan and Chris came to CBC way back. Visited the first time in November of 2019. You made it for a year. And then they officially joined Community Baptist Church in July of 2020. And, of course, my wife and I have been here since 1995 and joined in 1995 as well. I thank God for these men. The Bible tells us that through the life and ministry of a church, some some people rise to the occasion in strategic times. Each of these men have been proven, the Bible says in the passage that Pastor Uh, Ed Simpson read to us a few moments ago, those that are let them first be proved. These men have each been proven. Uh, They have served in the area of ministry they're leading, the area of expertise that needs attention. They have served in those areas. They have led in those areas. They've shown themselves to be capable of taking care of those areas of church life. And so they come to us. as men who've been proven for the work that we're entrusting them to do. They won't do all the work, but they will be responsible for leading and making sure that those areas of ministry operate smoothly. And I thank God for each of the deacons, for Pastor Ryan as well on the pastoral level, uh, serving with me as a part of the pastoral team and being able to uh, work to serve God and to accomplish the work of His ministry. And so these men come before you tonight for the uh, dedication of their lives, for the leadership of the work of deacons here at Community Baptist Church. And I uh, couldn't be uh, more grateful to God for this night and for the team that God has brought together and that you have recognized. And so why don't you guys come on up and just join around the the pulpit here. And uh, you five deacons, if you could just join right around there. Pastor Ryan... You can go over on that side. No, come on, deacons, just right on, right on up. And, uh, and Pastor Ryan and I, I want to pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for your care in organizing the work of your church in such a way that your church as a body of of members uh, can each be focused and, and be busy about the work of, of world evangelism. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Ryan joining the pastoral team along with me and for the opportunity for us to pastor your church. And Lord, I pray that you'll use each of us to minister to people and to, to give our lives, continue giving our lives for the mobilization of your church family and the work of world evangelism. God, I thank You for these men who are being ordained tonight as deacons of Community Baptist Church. I thank You for their expertise. Each of these men have gifts and talents and abilities that they have come forward and are willing for those abilities to be used for the, for the organization of the structure and the practical needs of Your church. Lord, I thank You for the hours and hours of their time they volunteer and and dedicate to the work of your church. I thank you for their expertise in each area of practical need that, that they uh, are responsible for. And for their ability to make sure that those areas of practical need are taken care of. Allowing Pastor Ryan and I to focus our attention on pastoring people. And so, Lord, thank You for these deacons. Lord, I pray for the power of the Spirit of God on each of them. They, they continue to be as, as those men who are full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, men who have ability and, and who are dependent on You to uh, use them, to give them insight and effectiveness in the practical life of Your church. And, Lord, I pray that You'll continue to use them. I thank You for their wives I thank You for their wives standing behind them as encouragers to them and to, to be a a, a a source of strength for them and encouragement. Lord, I pray for their wives. Lord, I pray that You'll help each of these men and their wives to, to, to be careful with the responsibilities that You have placed on these men. And Lord, may they be effective for You. God, we want You to be glorified. We want Jesus to be honored. We want the Great Commission to to go around northern Virginia and around the world. And Lord, I pray that this team of united men, loyal, committed, standing shoulder to shoulder as a team of men, God, would You use us. And may this church be strong. May the the good, pleasant, fragrant, refreshing unity that permeates this team of men, flow down throughout the church family, impacting the relationships, the lives of the members of CBC to Your honor and to Your glory. And Lord, I thank You for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.